0: What do a church hall, a ransom note, and a loyal dog have in common? What if I told you it's the FIFA World Cup trophy? It's a tale filled with mystery, intrigue, and an unlikely hero who swoops in to save the day. FIFA was established in the spring of 1904 by seven countries, a result of the growing number of tournaments being played across national borders. Belgium, Denmark, France, Netherlands, Spain, Sweden, and Switzerland all signed on with high hopes to unite their nations and others through their shared passion of the sport. 26 years later, the World Cup was first organized under the direction of then-president Jules Rimet. 13 teams competed against one another until a winner was declared. Like the Olympics, the event is held every four years, and since its formation, the number of teams participating in the finals has increased from 13 to 32. Nowadays, over 200 teams from around the world undergo a two-year qualifying process hoping to make it to the final tournament. Fast forward another 36 years. The 1966 World Cup was a couple of months away and would be held in eight venues across seven different cities in England. 16 teams from four confederations would vie for the number one spot and coveted trophy. A different type of exhibition was going on at this time as well. The Stanley Gibbons Stamp Exhibition was being held at the Westminster Central Hall. During the month of March, collections of prized and valuable stamps were on display for enthusiasts to drool over. As patrons walked through the maze of displays, they stumbled on one completely different than the rest of them. It was a large glass case featuring the original Jules Rimet Cup. The cup every national football club would be competing over in the next couple of months. Why was the ultimate soccer prize set on prestigious display at a stamp convention? Beats the heck out of me. England's chapter of the Football Association received the exhibition's request to showcase the cup. Before they would say yes, they pondered how secure the event would be, not to mention the surrounding area. It was a well-policed part of town, not too far away from the Houses of Parliament. On Sundays, a Methodist congregation held their church services on the floor below the hall. And if someone were looking to steal from the exhibition, logic dictated they would be more interested in stealing from a collection of stamps worth a hundred times more than the cup itself. Still, the Federation wasn't going to take any chances. They granted the request on three conditions. The cup would be transported by a reliable security firm, it had to be protected in a glass case with 24-hour guards and to be insured for £30,000. 9.30 a.m., Friday, March 18th. The Jules Romaine Cup was transported to the hall. The following morning, it went on display as the event's featured exhibit. It was surrounded by both uniformed and plainclothes metropolitan police officers, keeping a watchful eye out for anyone looking even remotely suspicious. Around 11 a.m. Sunday, March 20th, a church service was in full swing one floor below, and the exhibition briefly closed during that time. The guards, who were supposed to be on a 24-7 watch, left the hall as well. Service ended, and the guards returned to their post around 12.10 p.m. The trophy was burgled. The glass case was shattered, and the back door jimmied open. Eyewitnesses stated they saw a slim male in his 30s, With slicked back hair and a possible scar on the right side of his face. Clearly a diabolical fellow, the exact sort of villain you'd expect to commit such a dastardly crime. The news went public the following day, and soon the entire world of football knew what had occurred. Then a ransom note was delivered to Joe Mears, chairman of England's Football Association, demanding £15,000 in exchange for the prized trophy. A detective inspector, went undercover to rendezvous with the letter's sender, who identified himself simply as Jackson. As the perp observed the detective coming his way, he spotted the police backup vehicle creeping not too far behind. The man attempted to flee, but was caught and arrested. Back at the precinct, Edward Betchley swore he didn't steal the trophy. He claimed he was just a middleman. At his court hearing, He made sure that his evil deeds weren't a reflection of his love for football, telling everyone in the room, Whatever my sentence is, I hope that England wins the World Cup. Betchley was found guilty as an accomplice, and the real thief would never be caught. About a week after the heist, David Corbett was out taking a walk with his dog. Pickles was a border collie who loved to go out for a stroll. The sights, the smells, the fire hydrants. As the pair were getting close to home, Pickles saw and smelled something new. Laying against the neighbor's car tire was a package, wrapped in newspaper and string. Pickles was very curious, and it caught David's attention as well. Several thoughts ran through his head. The IRA, or Irish Republican Army, were still somewhat of a threat across the British Isles. The unusual wrapping and shape of this package gave him pause to wonder if this was a bomb. He slightly tore into it to view the contents, and what he found was an item the entire world knew was missing. He ran into his house and told his wife what he believed he had found. She looked at him unimpressed. They took it to the local police station, where he was met with a similar response. Nevertheless, it was a lead that couldn't be ignored, and a little while later, the Jules Rimet cup was confirmed found. David M. Pickles became famous for the discovery especially Pickles. They made appearances on TV and at grand openings, in addition to receiving a cash reward. Pickles got a medal and a year's supply of dog food, not to mention a role as a canine extra in the movie The Spy with a Cold Nose. England won the World Cup that year, and when David and Pickles were invited to the winner's banquet, it was Pickles who proved to be the more popular guest. David fondly remembers his dog and the exciting times they shared together, and so does the rest of the soccer world. David is still contacted every now and then to recount his story. Although, as he puts it, people remember the dog, they don't remember me. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, give it a 5-star rating, and share with not one but two of your friends. If I haven't told your favorite silly story from history, send me an email at nightowlbroadcasting at gmail.com. Subject, Silly History Story. This show is a Night Owl production and made possible thanks to donations by you, the listener.